This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hey, this is Jesse Lacey from Brand New, and you're listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is my pleasure to welcome you to THN, episode 206. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, April 29th. My name is Matt Baum. It's at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not laughing at Tampa Bay's first round draft choice, while also realizing that there's probably no better place for him than Florida, at least he'll have plenty of other sex offenders to hang out with, I write the comic book speculator blog for WorthPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at Joe Patrick 116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not wondering if Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Merriweather are tennis players or professional bowlers, they're boxers. Listen, if I didn't know that, I wouldn't have been able to pronounce Pacquiao. That's true. I'll give you I'm that. the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. This week, you'll hear our reviews of Scarlet Couture, number one, and Pisces, number one. After that, we'll review ten more of this week's new comics. Faster than Quicksilver can kick the shit out of Quicksilver during the ludicrous speed round. Then, we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're cracking open the new Apple Watch to learn its secrets while we talk about next week's comics. And finally... Get ready for our no-holds-barred, spoilerific Avengers Age of Ultron review when we play Nerds on Film. I can't believe that's escaped me for this long. But before you turn the show off and delete it for fear of ruining your Avengers 2 experience, let us spoil the whole thing for you right now. And we'll tell you Cap dies, the Scarlet Witch is a dude, and Ultron marries Hawkeye and has three kids with him, but the Hulk eats one. And the other two grow up to be the Wonder Twins and eventually get their revenge on the Jade Giant in the form of a polar bear and some yellow snow. And then we can talk about this week's Big News! We got Big News! Jerry Conway and Al Milgram created Killer Frost in 1978. Caitlin Snow, a new character to take the Killer Frost mantle, was created by Sterling Gates and Durless Santa Cruz in 2013. That sure sounds like a made-up name. <laughs> Durless. So, who gets credited for the character's use in DC's shared television universe on the CW network? More importantly, who gets paid for it? According to DC Entertainment, nobody. <laughs> In a recent post on his blog, legendary comic scribe Jerry Conway brought some troubling information to light regarding DC Entertainment's payment of equity to creators whose characters are used in licensed properties. According to Conway, DC can arbitrarily decide that a character is derivative of an existing property, meaning that they owe nothing. Did you co-create Power Girl as Conway did? Too bad. She's a derivative of Supergirl, who is in turn a derivative of Superman. Sorry, dude. Making matters worse is the fact that a creator is responsible for submitting their own claims if and when they think their work is being used in mass media. God. Conway wrote for DC from 1969 to 1985, creating literally hundreds of characters, including Firestorm, Vixen, and Felicity Smoke, two of whom are now semi-regular characters on the CW's Arrow and Flash shows. Instead of the media conglomerate protecting its creators, the creators themselves need to chase after what they're owed. Comics Alliance broke the situation down using the Killer Frost example. Quote, Caitlin Snow currently appears on the CW's The Flash series, played by actress Danielle Panabaker. Gates and Santa Cruz are apparently unable to claim equity on the use of the character as Killer Frost is a legacy creation. The original Killer Frost was introduced by Conway and Al Milgram decades ago, meaning that Caitlin Snow is a derivative of Conway and Milgram's original creation. But Caitlin Snow on television has not adopted the codename Killer Frost, meaning that Conway and Milgram are also unable to make an equity claim. So Caitlin Snow is a derivative of a character who does not yet exist oh on my screen. God. Which means neither the creators of Caitlin Snow nor the creators of Killer Frost can claim her. Jesus. That is so horrible. <laughs> the the current lawyer speak for fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> the current arrangement between DC and its creators isn't new, but Conway notes that longtime DC exec Paul Levitz, a creator himself, went to great pains to make sure writers and artists got their due, 
once Levitz departed the company and DC took a turn for the corporate, things got bad fast. Matt, this sucks, but we probably shouldn't be that surprised. No, I mean, honestly, Jerry Conway created Killer Croc. Right. And if it wasn't for Paul Levitz and uh, Bruce Tim using him on Batman the Animated Series. Right. Too bad, so sad. We own Killer Croc. But Conway got a nice windfall from that. And and um, whoever co-created him, Gene Colan, maybe. I think it was Gene Colan. I think that's right. Caitlin Snow, Felicity Smoke is a, is a cast regular on Arrow. Right. Here's what really sucks about this. Is if they just grabbed a name to throw it out there so that nerds be like, oh, I know that name. But they have like no real plans for the character. They're just using the name. Yeah. That sucks because these guys cannot get paid. And now, since they have brought it to their attention and said, hey, I made this character, is that going to prevent them from actually turning her into Killer Frost at some point because they don't want to pay them? That's even worse. Well, this is just it's it's negligence on so many levels on the level of the creative team that's writing the show on DC's level on Warner Brothers level. It's just bullshit. If you're I don't use this name. You got to pay these guys. I'm going to I'm going to absolve the creators of the show from this wrongdoing because they aren't in charge of who gets paid. I understand that, but they could have named her anything. They have hinted at Killer Frost. And on if the that's Flash. the case and they and these guys are going to get paid when they do good. But tell them that. But tell them that. But here's the thing. Here's what I'm wondering. If they do make her into Killer Frost and DC's bullshit derivative nonsense is in play that's completely that asinine. means sterling gates and derla santa cruz don't get paid because right. killer frost is an existing character that they did not create but at the same time i have a feeling that they can take them to court they win that and then one win sets a precedent for all these other creators to come back and go okay you need to pay me right. for this but on the flip side of that do conway and milgram get paid because they created killer flat yeah, absolutely Frost? or does dc go well yeah but this is caitlin snow and you didn't create her i know absolutely they should it's it's ridiculous i mean and i hope it doesn't come to that and dc has a team of lawyers that are more talented than you and i who play lawyers on the internet obviously but I would assume they would say, we don't want this case. Let's just pay them and make them go away. And I yeah. hope that's what happens. Will that happen? Probably not. This is really ugly. And I hate to hear about stuff like this. I, uh, I hate it. This com- is the ugly side of right. comic books turning into TV and movie. Right. There might not be anything we can do about it directly, but we can continue to talk about it. Yes. And we can continue to make sure these corporations know that fans like us care about the people that create these characters absolutely and the stories we love it's important that credit is given and that equity is paid where yes. it's due these guys they don't they don't have health insurance through dc they don't have i mean they were work for hire guys so any money that we can put in their pockets by holding these corporate assholes responsible point the finger yell tweet do whatever you have to but let them know we're paying attention and these guys need to get paid Absolutely. This is the Mayday episode, goddammit. We're standing with the working man. Yeah! <laughs> no one would say, hey, Jerry Conway, you own Killer Frost. You own Firestorm. No, no I'm not saying that. Take them out. Go nuts. Pay them. Work for hire. Yes. But yes, absolutely. They deserve something whenever their characters are regurgitated in movies and TV shows and toys and Happy Meals and absolutely. all sorts of other bull****. Last week, fans were, shall we say treated to a first look at Jared Leto's Joker courtesy of Suicide Squad director David Ayer and to say the very least it is different Leto's Joker sports the character's trademark pale skin and bright green hair but he also has an array of very extreme tattoos and a straight up gold grill you don't know what a grill is. It is a uh, piece of jewelry that you wear over your front teeth like old dirty bastard from the Wu-Tang. I think you mean Dirt McGirt. <laughs> yeah. Or Big Baby Jesus. Big Baby Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before he died. Rest in peace, buddy. R.I.P. Big Baby Jesus. Too soon. Too soon. See you at the crossroads. He also uh, had a tattoo that read damaged Across on his, his forehead, forehead. Yeah. just in case you didn't know he was crazy. Right. Joe... What in the hell have <laughs> these people done to the Joker? Uh, you know, I've been trying to keep my response very measured online because I'm getting older. I don't want to be the guy that just like reacts based on one picture and flips out. Right. Like, uh, like 
I admit I used to be in my younger days. But this straight up sucks. This version, if this is what we're getting, there's it no better way to sucks. say it. I would like to appeal directly to Mr. Leto at this point. I know he listens to this show. Yeah, he's a fan. He's a good friend of ours. Jared, you're a relatively hip guy. You know what's cool. You're good looking. You've probably had sex with women that I could only dream of having sex with. Men too. My point being, you know how bad the insane clown posse sucks. And when you looked at that oh, picture of their, yourself, don't draw their ire upon don't us. Don't tell me for one moment that you did not say that guy looks like a fucking juggalo. Whoop, whoop. That is terrible. You look like an insane clown. Like if this movie were being made in 1994, I might understand. <laughs> but it is 2015 for crying out loud. Hey man, the ups and downs of insane clowns. God, this is dumb. It is so bad. All right. So, all right. I will say this. There is a, a strong rumor going around that uh, this particular version of the Joker is incarcerated and that's how he ends up in the Suicide Squad because okay. that's what they are. Sure. And the grill, it's not really a grill, but it looks like his teeth have been replaced. I will accept the weird teeth if it's because he just got his face caved in by Batman <laughs> and the prison doctor's like, fine. It should also be said that we this would not be the first time that someone has leaked an image to see how fans react to it to gauge a reaction. In fact, that's another rumor. That is, is the that other rumor. There was a there was a post on Twitter or Instagram or something of Jared Leto on set looking at his phone with somebody or right. looking at a phone, looking at footage. Sans tattoos. And it well, I mean, if this is after filming, you know, he may have. Who knows? But, but in that picture, no tattoos. It, but on the phone picture, the phone picture, which is very, very blurry, and you really can't tell, it does not look like there are tattoos. Right. So it is possible that it was some sort of... First design or something, or... Not even that, but maybe just like a... Artist um, rendering, who knows? Like, here's a, a symbolic image of the Joker. You know, he's wearing his personality all, all on the outside right. of him or whatever. Who knows? But... If it's real, if that's like legitimate and sincere and that's the Joker we're getting, I am not. Yeah. All we can say is, uh-uh, no, please don't do this. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I, I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> Hot on the heels of the announcement of DC's Superhero Girls Initiative, Hasbro has announced that they will introduce an all-female team of Autobot Transformers. Just in time. Calm down, nerds. <laughs> we all know that robots have no gender. Says you. <laughs> But this is Transformers. There have been female characters ever since the Generation 1 series. Sarah Carroll, senior brand manager for the Transformers line at Hasbro. Auto babes. Uh, huh? There auto, we go. Auto babes. <laughs> told USA Today that the new project is in response to demand from the girls in their audience, saying, quote, To have them be represented as well is something that's only natural. Our female characters really do have faults. They have things that they aren't necessarily always good at. They have things that are trying to overcome like slam dunking and that makes them real people with a real drive end quote. Two years ago, Hasbro looked to fans to help them create a new character. The I apologize to all the WNBA fans out there. <laughs> the popular Windblade, and additional female Transformers such as Chromia and Strongarm soon followed. As with Windblade, the new team will make their debut in the IDW July miniseries Transformers Combiner Hunters. The group will be able... Why are you snickering? It just doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. Combiner <laughs> Hunter! <laughs> the real the current series is called Combiner Wars. Right, I got it. The group will be able to combine Devastator style into a giant called Victorion. Now, Matt, I think it's awesome that these companies are making positive strides like this, especially in direct response to their fan base. What do you think? I totally agree, and I'm glad that they're not going for like... Pinky and you know, like my little pony sweetheart pink robots, like strong arm. She sounds oh, like yeah. a badass. These IDW Chromia, these female transformers like a badass. in the IDW comics are tough as nails. Windblade is a badass. I've read about her before. I like that. Oh, and she ain't no odd about it either. She's like a rogue. Oh yeah, she's something else. She's like in between. I can't remember what they're called. She's factionless. Yeah, yeah. But I like that they're not going for the most obvious, like girly transformers. Like RC. Right. And yeah. they're making like some tough ass women transformers. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a good thing. 
belongs there. It is a little silly that robots are boys or girls, but <laughs> hey, look, we got a whole team of robot boys, so why not some girls? They're aliens. <laughs> right. We only view, we only perceive them as when a robot daddy they are loves a robot sentient. mommy very much. They give each other a special robot <laughs> hug. And nine months later, a little robot car drives out of mommy. I mean, okay. <laughs> oh. uh, fun fact of the Transformers subscribers at Legend, the bulk of them are female. Really? Yep. Really? That's a fact. I, man, I, I guess I would have just assumed that Transformers was an extremely male dominated fan base. I mean, I don't know. Apparently not. I don't know. This news to me too. You talk, IDW listens. Way to go, girl. That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or any female robots we forgot to name, hit us up on the THN forums where Joe and I are locked in a hot robot female sexuality debate with Rosie, the Jetsons robot maid. And man, is she pissed. I think she's just not even listening at this point and just barking. Well, you are being very insensitive. That's untrue. I was talking about how good she is at vacuuming and cleaning up around the house. I mean, she prides herself on it. Every Sunday, the hottest robot in the room, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week in the THN forums. Joey, what are we asking the listeners this week? We are living in a golden age of comic book movies and TV shows. The world is so starved for comic book entertainment that we've now seen two different versions of Quicksilver hit the silver screen. This week's question is, of all the ways that superpowers have been depicted in film and television... Which one is your favorite and why? Not your favorite character. Listen carefully to the question. We want to know your favorite depiction of superpowers on the screen. Do you really love like how they did Doc Ock's tentacles in Spider-Man 2? Awesome. How Nightcrawler teleported in X-Men 2 or yeah, you know, right. whatever. Let's hear it. I was a big fan of uh, how Rogue made everybody look all veiny. See, I thought that was dumb. I'm just kidding. I'm, I just made that up. I'm kidding. Yeah, I thought it was dumb. Bonus question. Now that Age of Ultron is out, who did Quicksilver the best? Joss Whedon or Brian Singer? Quicksilver or Quicksilver? We want to know which one you like best. My answer, Quicksilver. Controversial. Yeah, I'm going to go with Quicksilver. Controversial. <laughs> you have until 5 p.m. this coming Friday, May 8th, to get us your answer. You can call and leave that answer using Skype. The Skype panel is two-headed nerd, all one word. Or call the Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894. Or send an MP3 to 2 nerd at gmail.com. Whatever you choose, keep it under two minutes. We will cut you off. So will Google. If you need more time than that, feel free to write to your heart's extent in the question of the week section of the <laughs> THN web forums. Keeping it alive. Inside jokes. That's what makes this show great. It's review time in THN, where Joe and I celebrate May Day with some of our hard-working brothers and sisters of the comic book proletariat by trashing their hard work on the internet. Brother Joe, what did you pick to review this week? <laughs> this week, I'm reviewing Pisces, number one, from Image Comics, written by Curtis J. Weeby. I think it's Pieces. P <laughs> Piskies, number one. Pisces. Written by Curtis Weeby with art by Johnny Christmas. 32 pages, 350. Johnny Christmas, my new favorite name working in comics. I today. love it. He sounds like a guy that you should not bet with when you're playing pool. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, like... Do, like um, You bet 200 bucks on a game with Johnny Christmas? Like Minnesota, what are you, an idiot? Minnesota Fats <laughs> or whatever. He took me for everything I was worth. Former fighter pilot Dylan Carpenter found everything he wanted when he returned from the Vietnam War. A loving partner, a dream career, training with NASA to travel through space, and soon he will learn... A prime candidacy for a secret mission. One that will forever change the world. First contact! But as Dylan prepares, his war trauma returns and he's haunted by a dark vision of his future. There is but one constant. The voice whispering from the stars. That was creepy. Yeah, man. Jesus. This is a book that wasn't even on my radar. Not even a little bit. As much as I've enjoyed the samples of Weeby's work that I've read, I'm not current on any of them, and I missed Johnny Christmas's last series, Sheltered, completely. It was great. But, yeah, that's what I've heard. But I needed a break from the constant event hyping of the big two, so I decided to check Piskey's out. <laughs> the book opens with a broken and bleeding Dylan Carpenter stumbling into a hospital, not to tend to his wounds, but to see someone that doesn't want anything to do with him. 
After a violent confrontation, Dylan is knocked back to the Vietnam War with he and his co-pilot scrambling to escape a crash landing. What follows is a brutal struggle to survive in the jungles of Vietnam. It's in this past setting that Weeby lets us get to know Dylan a little. The dialogue between Dylan and his partner Henry, while brief, goes a long way toward establishing that these soldiers have a strong bond and have been through a lot together. Really though, the dialogue in this issue is rather sparse, making Christmas's art the real star. Christmas takes Dylan through pages of brilliantly drawn and colored panels, showing his escape from the Viet Cong and the brutality of both him and his would-be captors. Finally, Dylan is swept away once again, leaving readers wondering what the hell is going on. Ultimately, I was left puzzled with no real clue how any of these events tie together or to the premise offered in the solicit. But instead of being turned off, I was incredibly intrigued, and Christmas's silent storytelling really hooked me. I went from not really knowing anything about Pisces to still not really knowing anything about Pisces, but really interested in seeing what happens next. I'm giving it a buy it. I completely agree with that last sentence you you just said, but I did not have the same reaction. I felt like I was so confused by what was going on. And this is by no fault of the first. I'm not punishing the issue. I feel like when you sit down and read this in a trade, perhaps when you sit down and read six issues of it, you're going to go, oh, wow, I really see him working here. But as a first issue, I was so confused by the end. It, it left me not necessarily excited to read more, but going, where's the hook here? At what point is somebody supposed to get excited about this story? Because it just felt really disjointed. The art was beautiful. Christmas is very talented. He is exceptional at illustrating violence and Weeby is good with dialogue. I, I like him and I like other stuff he's written, but this just felt disjointed to me. I'm not giving it a leave it. I'm going to give it a skim it because it was well executed and I think it will build to something. But as a first issue, I, it just didn't grab me. Sure. Hey, Matt bomb. What did you review this week? I chose to review Scarlet Couture. Number one from Titan comics written and illustrated by Des Taylor. 32 pages. $3.99. Here's your solicit. Beautiful, intelligent, deadly. Those are all just periods in between those. So they're all one word sentences. Scarlet Couture is all of these things and more. She's a spy. Using her cover as head of security for her mother's internationally renowned fashion house, she gathers intelligence for the CIA. In this explosive first issue, Scarlet follows her instincts right into the middle of the action and finds she needs to use all of her wits to get herself out of hot water. Honestly, I went into this one expecting cheesecake. For those of you who don't know what that means, cheesecake is a very suggestive genre of comics featuring women who are typically scantily clad and typically curvy and buxom. The cover has a hot redhead in a bikini climbing into a boat. So what else could I think? Uh, the bombshell type art yes. is cheesecake. But I'm sure you've heard the tired old adage about books and covers. The story jumps straight into the action with the kidnapping of two supermodels by a mystery man. And the media is all over Chase Carver, the owner of Chase Couture and mother of Scarlett, who heads her security detail as well. While the media reports on the disappearances, Scarlett is at work behind the scenes. Think James Bond if she were a supermodel. It sounds ridiculous, sure, but... Tell me Roger Moore was more believable as a super spy. I mean, really? The guy was like 60 when they made View to a Kill. <laughs> Scarlet is intelligent, capable, and of course, gorgeous. But she's also fallible and a very believable character. Her handler is a beefy male, which further flips the 007 spy genre on its head. Taylor's art is very clean and animated. The computer coloring furthers the almost Don Bluth-style animation, and the backgrounds are obviously digital, but it never gets annoying. They work really well. He sort of fuzzes things out a little bit rather than a guy like Ariel Olivetti. Oh, Ariel, Ariel Olivetti. Rather yeah. than people like Ariel, Ariel Olivetti, who is a very talented artist, but just didn't feel like drawing backgrounds and went ahead and grabbed like screen captures of stuff to put cable in front of. Right. Taylor does a fantastic job drawing Scarlett as a badass heroine without making her a sex object. His action is solid, and he's obviously got a solid grasp on incorporating digital effects and art into his storytelling. My only complaint here is that we're introduced to a lot of characters in a short amount of time. I had the same complaint with the first episode of Game of Thrones, and that turned into one of my favorite TV shows. So we'll see what happens here. There's a lot going on, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's refreshing to pick up a comic that I thought would be closer to the 
faux empowered sex bomb sans plot comics we get from some other companies that will rename nameless and instead get a fairly well written and interesting character and good art. I'm giving this a buy it. I have complex feelings about this comic book. Okay. I didn't like it very much, but I agree with what you said. I will say upon first read, I also didn't. I read it a second time. And that's when I went, okay, you know what? I see what does Taylor's doing. Here. It's not that I didn't see what he was doing, uh, but I do agree with what you said. I think it is better than some of those comic books that are pretending to be about right. empowered females when really all it is is a woman an excuse a, to have ladies with no clothes on running around. Right. Drawn with fighting. tiny feet and a zero size waist. I loved the art. I thought the art was very good. And I think it's adorable how you keep using digital as an adjective. <laughs> As though almost every comic book on the stands is not produced digitally. I will give you that. I will say this one had a very. I know what you mean. You look. mean that uh, that it was obvious when there were digital effects applied. Yes. I just I couldn't get into it. I couldn't. Uh, I thought that it was a little clunky. I thought there was too much going on and too many characters. There was a lot of characters. A lot of confusion with who's this guy now? Is this the handler or is this the villain? It's a lot of same face unless the dude was bald with an eye patch or something. You've got two white dudes with slicked back hair. And I can't tell you who's who. Well, they had different outfits. Oh, they had different Come outfits. On. One's wearing an ascot. <laughs> you know, obviously a bad guy. Yeah, right. Who else wears ascots? I don't know. I I did like the art. It is very uh, in a. It's done in kind of a, a very strong animation style, and it did appeal to me. And not to say it's on the same level of quality, but like this is this reminds me of something like Rashida Jones's Frenemy of the State. Oh, come on. Where that was terrible. Here is somebody who's pretending to be normal, but is secretly a super spy. Well, but she's not a model. She's a head of security. No, she's a model. She's Her a mom super model. Said she's a head of security. Her mom, who was also a super spy and is also a model and also a Her fashion mother mogul, runs the fashion company. It's a little too much. Do we have to? Can't she just be a retired spy? Do we also oh, have to have it. the fashion mogul oh, stuff going on? Stop it. It's just it was. It didn't appeal to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I liked the art. That's perfectly acceptable. I'm giving it a skim it because it oh. is a cut above okay. some of those lousy things that we talked about. Okay. But it wasn't really for me. Fair enough. Chin chin. Chin chin. To your help. So that is a buy it and a skim it for both Pisces number one and Scarlet Couture number one. As always, we want to know what you astronaut veterans and sexy spies thought of these comics. So confuse us with your opinions, just like Curtis Weeby, over at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at twoheadednerd.com. As I'm sure you've already heard, Quicksilver made his second big screen debut this week in Avengers Age of Ultron and... Fox's X-Men franchise was paying very close attention. Now, the debate is on. Who is the better Quicksilver? So, as usual, we go to the THM Thunderdome, where two speedsters will enter, but only one will leave. So, pull up a seat next to Tina Turner and Joe, I'll be sitting on his shoulders, Master Blaster style, while we watch the carnage and review ten more of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Fantastic Four, number 645 from Marvel. I'd have written this DC for some reason. <laughs> that might be my fault. <laughs> James Robinson and Leonard Kirk team up with a host of friends to wrap up this volume of Fantastic Four. Lots of great moments, beautiful art, and a fitting send-off for the world's greatest comic magazine. Too bad we'll never see it again. I loved this series, <laughs> and I'm going to miss it. <laughs> Buy it. Superman number 40 from DC. Rumor is neither fans nor retailers are too excited for Convergence, except for Joe. So DC swoops in to save their sales with your regularly scheduled Superman title. That's not why it's out. It's just late. <laughs> Only this issue was written by series artist John Romita Jr. 
expanded shows. Here, Soups and the JLA gang are investigating his new explosion power, which seems to stem from his heat vision, I guess. JRJR gets the Man of Steel nude, not once, but twice in this issue. Hacha, hacha. And then gets him drunk with the gang. After he explodes, it seems Soups loses his powers for a while, and then they slowly return. This gives him a chance to feel quote, human for a short period of time and get drunk and taste food. Ramita's whole vibe here is a drastic swing to a lighter tone for the league, which I admit I missed, but it's a pretty violent swing. Batman's cracking jokes, Superman is hung over, and the issue ends with three nameless criminals marching down the street shooting guns. Who does that in Metropolis? <laughs> did they know that Superman didn't have his powers? Uh, they didn't mention it if they did. I'm giving this a skim it. Avengers 44 slash New Avengers 33 from Marvel. Uh, it's an Avengers double shot. You're welcome. Jonathan Hickman concludes his very lengthy run on the Avengers titles with this twofer. Both Avengers and New Avengers conclude prior to Secret Wars and both of them ultimately I don't even know if they mean a single damn thing this is the sound of Joe Patrick throwing his hands up in the air <laughs> New Avengers is all about Doctor Doom and the Molecule Man going off and doing God knows what Captain America and Iron Man are fighting uh, to the death in Avengers does any of it really mean anything and did any of it need to happen did we need to have this much build up for Secret Wars. I just don't know. Does it almost feel like he didn't know how to end it? I, man. Like he got too caught up in his own wheels within wheels and he can't No, I just think that there out. were too many wheels within those wheels. It could be. Skim it for both because man, old oh man, if you were a casual fan, this is not going to be for you. Whew. Mayday, number one from Black Mask. Mayday introduces us to a washed up screenwriter who's burned through all his advance money for a script he's yet to write. According to the solicit, he'll be teaming up with a transgendered bartender to solve some occult-themed murders, but we don't quite get there in this first issue. Instead, we get some biting satire of the Hollywood machine that's a little on the nose at times, but not terrible. Solid art by Chris Peterson, but I wish writer Kurt Pyers would have cut some of the gags and gotten into the story. This could probably be fun when all is said and done for now. I'm giving it a skim it. Secret Avengers, number 15 from Marvel. What an absolute pleasure this book has been. Ailish Cott and Michael Walsh bring Secret Wars. His name is Ailish? Ailish, yeah. Where's the H? How do you know that? I know it because I talked to Chase Magnet, who has spoken to him. I don't buy it. Ailish Cott and Michael Walsh bring Secret Avengers to a close, and everything ties up perfectly. This isn't something you're going to be able to appreciate fully on its own, but this whole run is well worth your time. So much heart and humor in these pages. I really loved this run. Buy it. Fubar, Mother Russia, number one from Alterna Comics. This is the historically fiction tale of a female ballerina turned Russian sniper during World War II. He's one of the few survivors after the dead came to life and ruined a perfectly good war. I know what you're thinking. Not more zombies. And yes, this is more zombies. But... The two stories here, one about the main character dealing with zombies and the other about her recent past before the zombies came, are both very well written and illustrated by Jeff McComsey, whose art reminds me of Steve Ralston. I'm giving this a buy it. Convergence, colon, Shazam, number one from DC. Another week, another contender for favorite tie-in series. Jeff Parker and Doc Shaner deliver the perfect modern day Shazam story that keeps a classic feel with modern sensibilities and uses the Convergence event as a springboard for a real story instead of using it as something to just be reacted to. Sheener's art is breathtaking. I must have stared at the Captain Marvel transformation page for five minutes before moving on. Huge buy. I'm going to have to check this out. It's great. Justice League number 40 from DC. Jeff Johns is hard at work building another universe clapping together size story, but takes time to inject some real humanity here. We see Metron looking at all the different stages of the DCU as it pertains to the new gods battle with Darkseid. I really, really like the look at Orion and Mr. Miracle being exchanged as children for an uneasy peace between the Allfather and Darkseid. This was an interesting way to frame the New 52's place in the DCU's history, but it's not going to make me care about Convergence. This issue featured no less than eight artists, but it didn't feel disjointed. On purpose. Yeah. 
I'm just getting tired of the DCU constantly exploding and would like to get back to some good stories. I will say, this reminded me of what I love about John's writing and how cool the new gods can be when handled well. I'm giving this a buy it. I really liked it too. It was good. Convergence, Justice Society of America, number one from DC. This was another great Convergence tie-in, the return of the legacy that I miss so much in the DC universe. Even if it's only temporary, I was really happy with this issue. Great art by Tom Derenick, though he really only has one style of old white dude face, (laughs) but Dan Abnett did a fine job recapturing the personalities of these legendary characters. Buy it. The Order of the Forge, number one from Dark Horse. Remember Victor Gishler? The guy that wrote vampires into every story he worked on at Marvel? I do. even went as far as to turn Jubilee into one? Never forget. Well, he's reappeared at Dark Horse. Sans vampires to write the story of George Washington and company as some type of paranormal warriors. Think Abraham Lincoln vampire hunters minus the vampires. This version of Washington also carries an axe, ironically. Lazio Batine? I'm going to say Batine. Lazio Batine's art was solid here but there just wasn't much story to grab onto. And name-dropping Ben Franklin and showing him in bed with two hot naked chicks isn't enough to bring (laughs) you back for more. Giving this a skim it. That is your ludicrous speed round, and this is the sound of George Washington's axe being struck by lightning as seen in the pages of The Order of the Forge, number one. Be sure to electrify us with your reviews of this week's new comics over at the This Week's Comics section of the THN forums. We stood in line for hours, but Matt and I finally scored our Apple Watch, and today in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, we're going to crack this sucker open and see just what kind of alien tech Apple has been reverse engineering. We've enlisted the help of our good friend and tech guru, Madison Jeffries, better known as Box of Alpha Flight, and he's got a couple of theories of his own. Matt, while Madison and I try to figure out if this processor is Chimelian or Badoon, why don't you tell the listeners what you're excited to read Chimelians couldn't week. do shit because they had, like, hooves for hands, right? No way, man. They built, like, advanced spaceships that were sentient. They had fingers, too, didn't they? Uh, they yeah, had they, fingers, they had fingers, yeah. Okay, okay. My pick for next week is Arcadia, number one, from Boom! Written by Alex Pacnadel with art by Eric Scott Pfeiffer. Cover price, $3.99. Here's your solicit. When 99% of humankind is wiped out by a pandemic, 4 billion people are, quote, saved by being digitized at the brink of death and uploaded into Arcadia, a utopian simulation in the cloud. But when Arcadia begins to rapidly deplete the energy resources upon which the handful of survivors in the real world, a.k.a. the meat... Depends on how long will the meat be able and willing to help. Man, I love this premise. It sounds crazy. And Boom seems to be super excited about both these creators. So I'm checking it out. The the preview art looks fantastic. Joey, what is your pick for next week? (laughs) Hold on to your butts. (laughs) My pick for next week is Secret Wars number one from Marvel Comics written by Jonathan Hickman. I know. I know. I, He's going to solve everything. I just can't quit him. He's going to tie it all up for you. With art by Asad Ribic. Brace yourself. Bullet! The final incursion is coming! Happening. Happening! <laughs> Bullet! The Marvel Universe is colliding with the Ultimate Universe! Bullet! And neither will survive! <laughs> and then Joe Patrick died. It was sad, and I'll miss him. I'm excited for it. But we can remember him like we loved him. (laughs) Look, man, I don't know if this is going to be any good or not, but if there's one thing we're guilty of, it's getting real excited about Marvel events (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and then going, (laughs) I liked infinity. I did too. I love Isad Ribic. And I think that a large number of these secret wars, battle world, whatever we're calling them. Um, Spin-off books look super fun. They look like a lot of fun. So, as events go, Marvel, you say nothing else. They're going all out for this one. Oh, yeah. The THN Trade of the Week goes to Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. Hardcover. From Marvel Comics, written by Roy Thomas, with art by Howard Chaikin. Solicit! 
Here is your solicit. The original comic adaptation of the greatest space fantasy film of all time is remastered for the modern age with all new coloring by Chris Sotomayor. Did we decide he was the husband of Sandra Sotomayor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sonia, pardon me. You said Sandra. It's probably Sonia, right? It is Sonia. Weeks before George Lucas's first Star Wars film hit theaters, Marvel gave fans their first look at Luke Skywalker, boldly asking, will he save the galaxy or destroy it? You may know the answer, but that doesn't spoil the fun of seeing Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope like never before, including scenes that never made to screen. When Princess Leia is taken prisoner, Luke, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Han Solo, Chewbacca, C-3PO, and R2-D2 ride to the rescue and take on Darth Vader in his awesome Death Star. It was awesome, right? It totally it's awesome. six against the galaxy. One that's far, far away and a long time ago. Exclamation point. May the force be with you in the mighty Marvel manner. Is this a reprint of the one with like the bunny on the cover and shit? Well, that came later, but this is a reprint of the original first issues of the Marvel Star Wars comic from 1977 okay. that came out before the movie. Okay. So they were just making it up. All right. All right. So it is the one with the, with the bunny character. The bunny crap. was later. The bunny came later. He did? I thought he was on the, the cover of Star Wars 1. No. Really? He's not on the cover of Star Wars 1. But they like they had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, all they had to go in was concept art, like Darth Vader. Okay. Right. Uh, they just like came to him. They're like, here's the deal. Uh... Without giving you too many spoilers, this guy may or may not be bad. This guy's probably good. And uh, yeah, the galaxy's fighting themselves. And they were like, we got it. <laughs> we'll go from here. Man, that's what Marvel did in the 70s and it 80s. These companies went to him and went, we got this idea. And Marvel would turn to like Larry Hama or Denny right. O'Neill and they'd say, no problem, boss. I got it. See Jack Kirby's 2001 for perfect example. <laughs> I got the perfect solution. Optimus Prime. And then history was made. After you've finished dissecting your Apple Watch, be sure to head over to the THN forums and let us know what you're excited to read next week. Unless you live under a rock, you've probably heard Avengers 2 Age of Ultron hits theaters today, yesterday. But Joe and I were fortunate enough to see it last night. So we yesterday. Could, so we could bring you the first installment of Nerds On! Film. Warning, there be spoilers ahead and nothing is off the table. So if you don't want your Age of Ultron experience spoiled, smash your computer, iPhone or Android device now. Apple Watch, with smash it. You've already <laughs> taken it apart. Smash that damn thing. With that said, Joey, let's get it on. Oh, man, let's get it on. So let's start on a positive note. Let's go with our likes. Since I took notes and you did not. Yeah, I'm I'm winging it, man. I'll read my likes and you can play off that. I'm off the cuff. So I'm going to start with Bettany's vision. Spot on. Loved it. Red face, green costume. I love the cape. I love the voice. I love that Jarvis was becoming the vision. I loved how he decided to have a cape. Yeah. Well, that, he, that made he me like, smile. He looked at Thor and went, oh, yeah, I need one of those too. Yeah. Fart and a cape came out. <laughs> I love the mind gem on his head oh, so he can shoot the laser out of it and stuff. That's just like, that is straight for the most spoilery part of that whole movie. Well, absolutely. But here's the thing. His powers, I thought were really cool because I know the vision and I know what the vision does. We were sitting next to occasional co-host David DeMarco, whose wife, Michelle, doesn't know shit about the vision. And she didn't get it. She didn't quite, she couldn't quite figure out what his powers were when he was like reaching into people and like like phasing into them and changing his density and stuff like that. So I don't know if that was really well illustrated. Like I know what he does. So I was like, oh, that looks cool. I like yeah. how he's doing it. But I don't know if it was really well illustrated. In fact, it was it was so underexplained. Yes. That until like the last moments of the of the climax, I didn't think that they were gonna have him face. Right. I thought, oh God, he's not gonna face. He doesn't face. He's right. just a robot with lasers. He and then he did it. And I was like, oh, thank God. Right. But, but yeah, they, even they, when, they didn't mention it at all. No. And even when he did it, if you don't know what he's doing. It was very subtle. It could have looked pretty confusing. Though there, though that was also the scene where Hawkeye sees it and goes, what the hell? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Hawkeye was in the audience POV for that. But. And I will say, hmm. and we'll, maybe this should be better in the dislike category, but like for an android that was created by Ultron 
they really did just like accept him very quickly and be like, all right, he's okay. <laughs> he's on our side. Oh, well, that's because <laughs> we'll get to that. that leads me to, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. With, no, we're talking about our lights, right? And we're talking about the vision. Well, but I mean, like I've got that in here. It's, it's in here. Oh, we'll so we're that. following your very carefully planned. Well, structure. you didn't take any notes. So guess right. what? I'm at Matt's mercy. Yeah. I really liked the vision. I liked the vision too. Yes. I, and I did not think I would. But they pulled it off very well. Now, what on God's green earth made you think that you would not like that I vision? I thought it was going to be silly. I think it's a hard one to pull off, and Whedon did a good job pulling it off. That's a very hard character to sell. Uh, not a dislike, but I will concede that I thought it was very quick. It was very quick. Uh, from, from the discovery of his creation to him being who he was it meant was very to be quick. to him becoming an Avenger. It was all lightning fast. It yes. seemed lightning fast. Yes. But Hey, it's a movie. They got to, they got to right. move right along. I like that Thor had a larger role in this movie. Oh, that's funny because I thought Thor took kind of a backseat in this movie. He, really? I like, I thought they gave him way more of a presence than the last one. In fact, I think if anyone, Cap and Tony both seem to have a smaller role in this, and they gave Thor a pretty large role. The thing with the team trying to lift the hammer, that was super fun. Yeah, like but that. that was just for fun. No, but then they later on, we see the Vision lift the hammer, and that's how they decide that he's okay. And then later on in retrospect, they have this wonderful argument where they're like, well, wait a minute. He's a machine. He's so a does robot. Count if it's and like Cap even has a line where he's like, you put the hammer on an elevator, the elevator goes up. You know, like, <laughs> is the elevator worthy? <laughs> like, it was really fun. But Thor, like, they did the whole thing. Listen, Cap, the elevator's not making the decision to try to lift the hammer. Right. But they brought in some characters from Thor's other movies into the Avengers team and stuff. He had a fairly large role in this that he really yeah, didn't. You have know what? Maybe Avengers. it's maybe it's just that nobody really took a backseat in favor of everybody getting a spotlight because yes. Black Widow had a really great yes. series of moments. The Hulk had a really great series of moments. Hawkeye. Yes. Every character in this movie really was given time to shine. No, definitely. This was a team movie way more so than the first Avengers. I agree with that. Ultron. I thought Ultron was great. I liked the look. The moving mouth bothered me a little bit at first. A little bit. But I got over it. Uh, I will tell you what made me okay with the moving mouth, because all of his drones looked exactly like the real Ultron. Yes, and their mouth was kind of flat. They all had the scary, like, and they weird spoke with his voice. open mouth. Spader yeah. was perfect. James Spader was perfect for the voice. Something that might catch some people off guard is the fact that he speaks like a human being. Well, I'll get to that in my dislikes. We'll get there. Well, that wasn't a dislike for me. I just thought it was an interesting choice, but I I, I did I did like it. I really like the scene where he first like became aware when he was first born and they were sh like showing you shooting through Jarvis's memory banks mm -hmm. and he was confused and he was sort of like what is this? What's happening? Like I thought that was very cool. And it sort of set up the fact that he accesses all the stuff that Jarvis has recorded. And maybe that's why he's acting human because Jarvis works with all these other humans. I sort of got that feeling from it. We'll get to more of that later. Uh, the Scarlet Witch, Wanda. I loved Elizabeth Olsen as a Scarlet Witch. Yeah, I thought she was great. She was fan her outfit, the red magic that came out of her fingers, the way she twiddled her fingers and did like the hex magic and stuff. She was fantastic. And I, I thought agree. she brought some real emotional weight to the character as well. And I thought Kick-Ass did a great job. We'll get there. <laughs> War Machine and Falcon. I love that they showed up. So glad that they were there. They had some legitimately funny scenes. I love that they are the newest members of a all-white team. <laughs> Aside from one green guy. And I like that they... like. Uh, Thor is from Asgard. He's perfectly Aryan. <laughs> okay. I, I love that they gave Rhodey some screen time and he had some funny lines and like played a really big part in the film. I really like to see them there. Yeah. Uh, I did wish that Falcon had actually played a part. This is part of my dislike. I was fine with it's not that he had nothing to do. And certainly at the end, he made his presence felt. But yeah, let's get into dislikes. Natasha. And Banner. I love it. I There's no precedent for the relationship whatsoever. So what? Not even a hint of it in the first movie. It, 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 there's mm. nothing. They forced it. And I don't 
need it. I, I don't, don't agree. I don't agree that they forced all. it. It was completely forced. I don't Natasha disagree. Natasha was flirting with Hawkeye throughout the entire first movie. No, they establish in the first movie that Hawkeye and Natasha are best friends. That's it, period. They flirted with each other the whole time. No, they didn't. There was nothing. Now, it, it, it would have been more interesting to me to see the Hulk or Banner like crushing on Natasha from a distance and not telling her because he can't do that because he's afraid of his other side while she gets more buddy buddy and closer to Hawkeye and then maybe the Hulk even reacts in a scene because that's like his true emotional self. I did not care at all about no, the No, I couldn't disagree more. I no. couldn't disagree more. I did not And care I think about that it. it's uh, certainly a a very organic extension from the first movie where she's the one to, they even say it in this movie where she's the one I'm fine with Fury sense to bring him onto the team. And I'm fine with that. They have that great scene in Avengers one where, you know, she's with him when he transforms and has to survive. Like they've been through a lot and I agree. And time has passed and their bond has grown. I loved the Hulk, uh, the banner, uh, Natasha thing. I loved it. I didn't buy it at all. Wrong. Wakanda. I love that Wakanda gets mentioned. I love the vibranium is there, but not a single mention of the king of Wakanda. That's not this movie. Not even a throwaway line. That's not this movie. Seriously, you couldn't do something where they walk up and they find vibranium and Cap goes, there is no way the king of Wakanda let this happen. You know, like just a throwaway line. I don't think they ever actually went to Wakanda. No, they they talked about how the vibranium came from Wakanda and it was smothered out of there. Yeah. It was sm- pardon me. It was smuggled out of there. Smothered. It was yeah. smothered out of there. But I mean, like, just a mention. Anything. Anything. That's, I, that is not fair to hold it against this movie. They have plans for Black Panther. You know that they I know do, they but do. it's not in this movie. They should have said something. Disagree. Married Hawkeye. Awesome. With three kids. Great. I hate it. Ultimate Hawkeye was married. So Hawkeye, S.H.I.E.L.D. super sharpshooter, has a wife two kids and one on the way. That's dumb. It doesn't go along with his character. It doesn't go along with anything in the comics. It doesn't go along with anything. Ultimate set up in the movies. Hawkeye was married with children. Good for him. I don't, I didn't need it here. I don't like it here. And I don't buy that. He goes, all right, we're in trouble. I'm going to take the most wanted group of heroes in the world to my family's home. When you have the most powerful supercomputer in the world hunting you down. I don't buy that at all. I'm sorry. Hawkeye, no way. If he loves his family, he doesn't take these people anywhere near him. If they exist. I don't need them Disagree. to exist. And I did not care for it. Disagree. I thought it was great. Uh, I thought it humanized both Hawkeye and Natasha because Natasha obviously knew and was bonded with these people. I thought it went right along with Hawkeye's moment in the Avengers. It made him a real person. He's just this guy in the background that shoots arrows. Hawkeye literally had nothing going on in those movies. That's and why this I, gave I, him personality. It gave him heart. It gave him a reason to care about what happened to him. I loved it. I would have rather seen a relationship with Natasha personally. But that's not the relationship. I would and you rather keep mentioning that. precedent in comics as though these movies have ever really followed precedent. I understand that. But I would have Guess rat- who didn't create Ultron? Tony I, Stark. I know that. I'm saying I would have rather seen that. I just didn't care for it. Not enough Falcon. That is one of my biggest problems. We met him in Cap Winter Soldier. We fell in love with him. Why was he not here? You, this is, I, it's an all-white team. There's even a scene where Cap drops a woman off the like off the city that's being lifted in the air. What a perfect scene to have Falcon show up and go, "Bam! I got your back, Cap." You know, he's like, "What are you doing here?" I thought avenging wasn't your thing. He's like, "Looks like it is now." Where was the Falcon? Come on! I felt that it kind of made sense uh, with what I understand to be the Falcon. He's he's. It's not that he doesn't want to help up people it's not that he doesn't even it's not even that he doesn't want to be a superhero it's that he's reluctant to get into the world saving business when his focus is more uh is is smaller community based until the end of the movie where he gets in the world saving business well falcon has been an avenger matt (laughs) there's that precedence you were looking for i want him to be an avenger i wish he would have been in this film more you had war machine doing stuff if you're gonna have a movie where it changes up the cast at the end and it's like next movie new team Guess what completely makes that fall flat? Having the entire group from the new team be part of the old team. Did War Machine scene fall flat for you? Because I really liked that War Machine was there and showed up to help. Why didn't Right, but I wasn't super excited about War Machine being in the final roster of the new Avengers. Uh, Fair enough. I'm just saying I wanted them both there. I wanted them both there in this film. 
I'm saying there was already a lot going on in this film. I agree. But War Machine showed up. Falcon could have been there too. Ultron. I'm sorry there wasn't enough black people in this movie for I, you. It, there wasn't. Ultron. A little too human for me. Nah. I don't need Ultron cracking jokes. I don't need him as a Terminator either. But his plan was so Skynet. It was this basic, well, we're going to wipe out humanity and uh, something better will come. Maybe machines will inherit the earth. But it was like Robert California delivering those lines. You know what I mean? He's Red Reddington, dude. That just didn't work for me. I, I Like, if you're going to make him Ultron and it's going to be James Spader, he needs to be a little colder for me. Or have a better plan. If you want to be like, okay, he's human, then have him show up and be like, I should be leading the Avengers. I should be in charge. I'm better than you guys. And That's they're like, not Whoa, Ultron, back though. Up. That's not Ultron. Ultron isn't emotionless. I That's know. kind of the deal. Ultron. I'm not saying he's not emotionless. Ultron does I rage. I agree. And that's what I liked about his character. And I'm fine with Ultron raging. It was the jokes. You know, I didn't mind that because. The silliness. He's based off of things that he learned from Tony Stark and the internet. Fair enough. Like he's patterned his his mind after humans, and who is snarkier than Tony Stark? But and I'll give you that. But his plan was still so basically old school machine versus man, like you know robots Hi. win. Welcome to comic books. I know. It, it just it was a little too human for me. Quicksilver. He didn't add anything to this film. I really liked him. I thought he was good, and I thought his powers looked cool, and I didn't think he was a bad actor. But to kill him, what a fucking waste! You introduce the character. You get him here as like Scarlet Witch's brother and stuff like that. He also realizes we're both on the wrong side and we're both going to switch. Why do you kill him? What is the point of that? Because there had to have there had to be stakes. But they already had changed sides. It's not like his death is what made the Scarlet Witch become good. They had already decided we're going to help. No, I know. And it just seemed like a waste. So you wanted to add another white dude to the team. Is that no, what but what I'm saying is it just seemed like a total waste. You enter like, and maybe it's not fair to judge it on the sense of like you've got Quicksilver in another movie doing stuff too, but it just seemed like a waste to me. I don't know. You had a big name actor who did a great job and played the a relatively big name actor. I see you making your faces, but he did a great job and his powers were cool and did neat stuff. And then you just kill him. I was fine with it. See, I, I just thought it, it felt like a waste to me. I was fine with it for these reasons, because I felt that Joss Whedon was telegraphing the death of Hawkeye for almost the entire movie. I agree. Instead, you've got this character who was a villain. Not only has he come around, but he's come around to the point that he sacrificed himself to save this guy that he didn't even know. Okay. And then with his dying breath, he calls back to the line, what, you didn't see that coming. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, holy shit. No, I didn't see that coming. Okay, I'll give you that. And maybe that would have had more emotional weight had Quicksilver known that Hawkeye had a family and stuff. But instead, he just like gave his life for this dude. Right. Who was saving okay, a kid. But which is selfless, sure. You, why but does he need more reason than it's another human being? It just it just seemed like he a didn't waste. have enough reason to sacrifice his life it for another like human being. It seemed like a waste of the character to me. I don't I don't agree. And I now that looking back in hindsight, I don't know that that Marvel even had any long-term plans for Quicksilver. Probably not. But I thought it was a great way to introduce the concept of Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch as a group. And also Quicksilver, historically speaking, Quicksilver's involvement with the Avengers has been very slight. Oh yeah. I mean, like, extremely. And I, I didn't necessarily need Quicksilver to end this movie becoming a member of the Avengers. I, I guess I, I mean, I didn't need it, but they built it up and they gave us a storyline and then they just killed him. And it just See, what you're away. describing, Matt, is that you're disappointed that a character you liked died. No, I know. Which is okay to feel. That doesn't mean it was a bad moment <laughs> in the movie. It just felt like a waste of the character to me. Yeah, I don't That's agree. All. I thought it was very well handled. Finally. A and a real curveball in a movie where I thought I I'll saw it that. coming. I'll give you that. Well, I didn't think they were going to actually kill Hawkeye. I, I thought for sure they were going to kill I Hawkeye. I would have bet money on it. Jeremy Renner's worth a lot more money than Kick-Ass, <laughs> who we can't even name at this point. The credit cookie. I thought it was super fun, but okay. So the credit cookie Thanos and the infinity gauntlet without yeah, any infinity. This, this vault opens up and Thanos strolls into frame and puts on the infinity gauntlet and he says, fine, I'll do it myself. A few months ago, Marvel announced the black Panther movie, the Dr. Strange movie. Yeah. They recently picked up Spider-Man. 
that is going to appear in Captain America and stuff like that. Probably. The Inhumans, all this stuff. Credit cookies have been the place, not always, but have been the place. Certainly not always. Where you gave us something new that was going to leave us salivating for the next film. Seeing Thanos again didn't do it for me. Like, I didn't hate it, but I went, oh, okay, that's it. And then I thought to myself, well, maybe there's another credit cookie at the very end of the credit. There wasn't. Yeah, but we knew that. I just wanted something, anything new. And honestly, what I wanted, Black Panther. Some mention of the Black Panther. Black Panther is not coming until Captain America. I get that. He's you, not. You don't even have to show him. You don't even have to show him. You just show like your like weird generic control room. And they're like, sir, uh, I, I hate to tell you this, but we're missing a shitload of vibranium or something. I'm like, how did this happen under, you know, like anything. Oh, your anything. version of the Black Panther is the worst. I just wanted something new. And that credit cookie didn't do it for me. I thought it was super fun. I'm not saying I hated and it. Really, the whole neato. the whole movie had a huge amount of forward momentum in in the uh, the plot of Marvel's phase, whatever we're calling it, phase no, two, phase three. Definitely, I'll give it that. I'll and give it that. Now the Avengers know they're like, oh crap, the Infinity Stones are a thing. Right. We need to be on the lookout for them. There are only four so far. There's two more to go. Right. We've got an Inhumans movie coming out. We've got a Doctor Strange movie coming out. Black Panther is not a part of that story. Black no. Panther is a part of the Captain America, the Civil War, the more street level story. But he's also been an Avenger. You might get... I'm not saying he's not an Avenger, Matt. I'm saying that the Avengers movie is about the cosmic story. I get And it. the Avengers movie is where you're going to get the forward momentum of the cosmic story. Yes. And I don't need to see the Black Panther, but you could have said his name. Oh my God. You could have just mentioned... You know that the there's a game. Black Panther movie coming. I know. Calm down. That's why I want you to say it. Right, and I should say I liked the movie. Them I definitely saying liked it this doesn't movie. make it any more or less real. I had a good time. I liked the film. I do not think it was as good as the first Avengers. I think it was fun. You know, I said this today that I think the novelty of the first movie makes this one suffer in comparison. I disagree because I think the first one was also a better film. Period. But there was just something about seeing it actually become real in that first movie sure. that made that elevated that above I, I totally agree but we've been removed from that for quite a while and we've watched it several times since then just as a film and i can say i think the first one was a better film than this on if i'm ranking my marvel movies this one is below avengers it's below cap 2 it is above thor 1 but i don't know if it's above thor 2 Honestly, like I, I really liked it. I mean, it's still good. I'm not saying this is a failure. I'm just saying I had some problems with some of the choices they made. It was a good film. It was fun. All the actors were great. Everything looked awesome. The action was very well filmed. I really liked how the camera tracked from character to character through all the fight scenes. You saw them operating as a team and you really didn't see that in the first one on purpose because they came together as a team through the film. In this one, they're a team. Here we go. Here's how we operate. From scene one, where they're attacking the Hydra base, and the Hulk like runs through the bunker, and Cap is throwing the shield, and it flashes over to Natasha doing cool stuff. Like, yeah. They were a team from the beginning in this one, and I and I liked it. Ranking Marvel movies, well, you know what? I Guardians of Galaxy is ahead of this one too, definitely, without they, a doubt. They're all so different. I I don't they are different. I don't play this ranking game. I thought it was super good. I did too. And yeah, it wasn't perfect. And do I think the first one was better? Probably. Yeah. But I loved the hell out of this movie. I and I thought too. in terms of sheer like moments where I went, whoa, awesome. Avengers 2 wins. Mm, I'm absolutely. Not, I'm not going to say that. Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to say that. Cap moves the hammer. Thor, is, Thor has a vision of all the infinity gems swirling around in space. The vision... Yes, absolutely. This movie was like nonstop pushing nerd buttons. Like, oh, sure. Poke, 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 sure, poke. definitely. And I loved it. I, I, I really enjoyed it, too. I just think Avengers 1 was a better film. Well, First. then why don't you go watch Avengers 1, then, you big baby? Listen to you. You just can't even handle it. Oh, man. That was exhausting. Just like watching Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> now that you've heard our nerdy review of Avengers 2, we want to hear from you. So head over to the Nerds on Film section of the THN forums and the, let us know. The newly renamed Nerds on Film. The newly renamed Nerds on Film, which was something we are kicking ourselves for not thinking of before. I know. Spill your guts. You want to hear everything. 
sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the Mayday Edition episode of THN. If you like podcasts that extol the strength of the union and value the workforce, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And wow, you're at all these places. Leave us your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, and your little hearts because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. Thank you to all of our donors. If you want to keep Matt and I's new socialist newspaper that exposes the lies of this capitalist pig dog of a nation alive, you can do so by clicking our PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly Comrades box. And as little as a dollar a month really does help. If you're interested in sponsoring THN, we don't agree with sponsorship, but we're not above gifts. Shoot us an email with the subject line, sponsorship. While you're there, you can find links to all our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Tumblr, Facebook, and Skype, and the Ziggurat Hotline. 402-819-4894. Using all these resources, you can beg the comic pushers for a new read. You can hit us with your Ask a Nerd question or trivia, or... You can defend your questionable nerd taste in front of the two-headed judge for a defender segment. Or you can ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, or drawn in the blood of the working man himself. Whatever! And don't forget to sign up for the THN forums. It's your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show. You can learn more about our segments and how you can be a part of them. Or just rap about comics if you dig the music you hear on this show you can follow our soundtrack playlist on spotify by searching for matt bomb spotify profile remember to follow to it a nerd on twitter like our facebook page and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion and then be sure to tune in to hear your answers on the answer of the week podcast every wednesday next week we're playing ask a nerd so hit us with your comic questions and discussions a s a b answer as soon as possible before we go our weekly shout out goes to ty templeton who was able to return home after suffering a massive heart attack on april 16th that put him in critical condition stopped his heart three damn times and necessitated a medically induced coma yeah he died on the table three times they started calling him miracle man that is crazy it's good news that Templeton is already back at work and on the road to recovery. Word to you, buddy. I love Ty Templeton. I will be sad if you carry does. yourself, man. Good Lord. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Because if you do, your retailer just might spare your life when the revolution comes. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off, comrades. Das Vidanya.